Hello, I'm your host, Rebecca Berry, and welcome to Plotting Possibility, where we chart a course with beauty, talk about what's inspiring, and imagine what can be. Settle in and gather the good with me. Today we're going to talk about books and how to read more of them even if you have a really busy life. When I became a parent, my reading life completely plummeted. I went from reading voraciously to reading maybe a handful of books a year. Um, You know, kids, they take up a lot of time. But I also feel like that was when I started to really spend a lot more time on social media, be on my phone more and so on. So you can see where the reading time got eaten up by other things. This last year, I read about 60 books across the entire year. I decided I would share with you some of the things I did in 2019 that really helped revive my reading life. This is simply what worked for me. Um, Hopefully it might work for you or help you to think of other things that you could try. So let's dive right in to these tips. My first tip is my favorite one and it's only read what you want to. I have a stack of unfinished books. Some I'll eventually complete and others I won't. Life's too short to read a book for pleasure that doesn't actually give you any pleasure. So set aside the book list, set aside the New York Times, um, the classic literature. If it's not working for you, you don't have to read it and you don't have to finish it. So if you don't love it, give it a couple of chapters and then let it go. My next tip, I started reading a chapter in the morning and a chapter at night. The morning chapter eventually stopped because the kids in life and so on, but it did help me get a lot of reading in and it really helped jumpstart embracing a reading lifestyle as opposed to just a scrolling Facebook lifestyle. So speaking of Facebook and phones, let's talk screens. They're everywhere and we love them because it's easy and sometimes because it's mindless. But if you really want to boost your reading, reduce your screen time. I basically stopped watching TV at night for six months or so, and I've read about 40 books or more as a result. Um, That used to be my go-to. The kids are in bed. Let's watch a couple hours of TV, unwind. Instead, I spent that time reading, and it really changed, um, obviously, how much reading I was getting in, and I felt like it was just a really healthier choice for my brain and everything. Um, And also when you can read instead of scrolling Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you can get even more reading time in. Now, phones can be helpful if you put books on them. I use the Libby app, which I got through Overdrive, and that's where you can borrow eBooks from the library. Um, Now, I tend to go hot and cold with eBooks. I'll read three or four in a row and then none for months. Um, I do like having something to read wherever I am, and I like it as an alternative to social media, and I'm often able to borrow a book quicker than requesting the physical copy from my library. Now, this is not always the case. 
I was just looking at options for little women and you can imagine right now everybody in America wants to read Little Women because of the movie. I'm not alone here. So, but there are other times when, you know, the waiting list for a physical copy will be ridiculous, but I can get it through Libby right away. They also have audiobooks, which I personally don't do audiobooks very much. It's just not my favorite. But studies show that your brain can't tell the difference between hearing an audiobook and actually physically reading it. So don't think it's cheating. It totally helps you reach your reading goals if you want to turn on an audiobook while you're driving, cleaning, in the shower, whatever. Um, so that's another good tip, actually. For a while, I was using some bullet journal tracking pages that really motiva- motivated me to read. I used graph paper to chart every chapter read. So I wrote the title and author of each book, then numbered the squares for however many chapters the book has. And if there was an introduction, prologue, epilogue, so on, I used the first letter of the word instead of a number. Then I'd color in the squares as I read. I also downloaded free from Pinterest, a cute page. It looks like bookshelves with books on them, but the spines are all blank, so you can write in the titles of the books as you finish them. Um, I got away from that after I filled out the first sheet because I never printed another one, but I did really like that. It was a good motivator for me, again, especially as I was really starting to change my habits. Um, But I think the biggest thing for me was simply the desire to have more books and words in my life. I'd become an author who didn't really read, and that bothers me. Um, And I could also feel my attention span shrinking and my need for constant entertainment increasing. Reading books helps your brain absorb, engage, connect, and expand in ways that screens simply don't. Um, I wanted a healthier brain, and I missed being a real big book nerd, so I changed some habits and made it happen. And if I can do it, you can do it. These tips maybe aren't for you, but start thinking creatively. Where can you sneak in some extra reading time or what can you let go of to make time to read? And if you're already killing it with your reading goals, that's awesome. Um, Keep going. And in the next part of this episode, I'm going to share some of my very favorite reads from 2019. This is the fun part where I get to actually tell you about the books that I really loved reading in 2019. Like I said, I read about 60 books last year and there were so many good ones, but I've narrowed it down to my top favorite five from last year. The first one I want to tell you about is my fiction favorite. It's called The Dean's Watch by Elizabeth Googe. In this book, Googe writes about these two main characters, a watchmaker and a dean of a local cathedral. And they're both sort of misunderstood characters within the community, but they forge this very unlikely friendship. And their friendship ends up impacting the entire community. It's a really beautiful story about the importance of friendship and community, big surprise there. But Elizabeth Googe also weaves mental health into her stories in such unexpected and realistic and poignant ways. 
every one of her books that I've read, I have just loved the way she handles um, the reality of mental health and difficulties in life and infuses it with such beauty and hope that you really walk away feeling, um, feeling brighter for having read the book. I highly recommend um, The Dean's Watch by her. Another favorite, just to slip one in, was The Scent of Water, also by Elizabeth Gouge. My next pick is a work of nonfiction. It's the book Different by mother-son duo Sally Clarkson and Nathan Clarkson. Now, if you continue listening to the podcast or if you've already listened to it, you will have heard the last name Clarkson quite a bit. I'm a big fan, basically, of the whole family. Sally Clarkson is this um, incredible author, podcaster, speaker, just encourager, particularly to women um, and in the pursuit of kind of holy motherhood, how to love children well and how to love people like Jesus. And now she has four children. They're all adults now. And each one of their life stories is very inspiring. And so in the book Different, she wrote it with her son, Nathan. Um, Nathan has ADHD, OCD, some dyslexia, um, a few things that sort of look like autism, all sorts of things um, going on. And so when he was a child, it was very difficult to understand. And he would have these emotional outbursts that were very difficult to deal with. And in this book, Nathan writes the first part of each chapter, and Sally writes the second part of each chapter from her perspective. And it's just an incredible story about what it's like to grow up feeling very different and what it's like to parent a child who is very different. The reason I recommend this really to everyone is that all children are different in some way, shape, or form. Not every child ends up with a label, so to speak, like ADHD or autism, but there is something unique and special and quirky and even difficult about each child. And this book really helps you celebrate that and um, honestly look at what is hard about it and then how to push through that and to teach your child how to celebrate what makes them different. It's a really great read. Um, Again, that's Different by Nathan and Sally Clarkson. Next up, I have two suggestions of Christian nonfiction, sort of Christian living books. The first one is called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Now, this book has been around for several decades, but I finally read it just this year, and I loved it. It's by Philip Keller, who was, in fact, a shepherd before he became a pastor. And he goes through Psalm 23, line by line, and explains what these, what each thing means to a shepherd or to a sheep. Um, it was a very... Um, It was a fresh look at a very familiar psalm. Um, I found a lot of depth to things I just simply didn't understand before, like having your head anointed with oil, um, being led to fresh pastures and fresh water and all those things. It's something that we assume that we know, but there's really so much more to unpack. And it's incredible how he connects each thing to the reality of shepherds and sheep and then the spirituality of what Christ does for us as his sheep. It's a beautiful read. 
I read it during Lent, which I think is a perfect time to pick it up and read it, so you might want to jot that down now to get A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, and just read it during Lent. Um, Just really, really, really great book. The next one is a book called Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren. Now, I've grown up more or less Baptist, um, and the word liturgy isn't used very often in that particular denomination. So, it's sort of a new concept for me, but I've really enjoyed learning about it um, through some different podcasts and books I've read, and this book in particular really looks at the different aspects of just everyday ordinary run-of-the-mill life and how we can turn that into something that is prayerful and intentional and holy. I mean, she talks about everything from being stuck in traffic to checking your email to the rituals we have for getting ready for bed, even things like arguing with your spouse, all kinds of stuff, just ordinary life, but how those things can be consecrated and given to the Lord. I plan on reading it again because it was so good and also it was a library book and I am one of those monsters who likes to underline and write and dog ear. So I need to get myself a copy of this so I can read it again. But that's Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren. The last book I'm going to tell you about is a category I've called um, books I reread in 2019. This one I picked, and some of my favorites I reread last year. Um, The one I decided to tell you about today is my very favorite book of all time, which is a big deal to even say that. It's called And Ladies of the Club by Helen Hooven Santmeyer. This was a bestseller in the 80s, and now most people have never even heard of it, and that makes me so sad because it's a beautiful work of fiction. Um, Sant Meyer writes about this small Ohio town. It begins in the late 1860s and ends in the early 1930s. So that's a big period of time to cover. Um, but she does it by really zeroing in on the lives of these two characters, Anne and Sally. At the beginning of the book, they're 18, just about to graduate from a women's college, and they end up meeting their spouses, they get married, they have children, and we get to see their whole lives played out. And um, you, you meet the entire community as you read this book, so there's more characters than I could even count. But it's not overwhelming because Santmeyer lets you spend just enough time with each one that they feel real and interesting, but you're not overwhelmed by just dozens and dozens of names. Um, And it's called And Ladies of the Club because they begin this women's literary society. And this club becomes a major pillar in the community. So it's a beautiful read about, again, much like the Dean's Watch. It's about friendship and community and all those things. But it's also just about life, you know, um, marriage and hardship and struggle and um, having children and watching your children grow up and make choices and all these things. It's just really incredible. And it's great because the history in it, um, Santmeyer does a beautiful job of, of kind of illustrating the history for you in a way that's really interesting because who knew that Ohio interest, Ohio history could be so fascinating, but she writes it brilliantly. So 
I highly recommend it. It is over a thousand pages, which is probably why most people look at me like I'm nuts when I recommend it to them. But let me tell you, it is so worth the investment to just spend a few weeks with the ladies in this book. It's really definitely worth it. So if you're looking for a big read this year, that's definitely my recommendation. Okay, so those are my top five from 2019 that I would recommend, but if you go to the show notes, you'll find a link to a blog post I wrote detailing more of the books that I've read last year. I have seven to ten in each of these categories, fiction, nonfiction, Christian nonfiction, and then books I read again last year. So you'll want to check that out to get more recommendations for your reading goals this year. Again, just go to the show notes. You'll find a link there. Although the entire episode has felt a bit like a gather the good segment, I want to wrap up today by giving you a little extra goodness. And I'm going to tell you about a couple of things that I think pair really well with books. The first is a cup of tea. I am a big believer in hot cups of tea. Um, My favorite company is called Plum Deluxe and they're based out of Oregon. They have a blend called Reading Nook. It is absolutely delicious and I think you should definitely give it a try. If you're new to the world of loose leaf teas, don't be too intimidated. It's not very hard. You just need an infuser, some boiling water, and a mug. That's it. So check out Plum Deluxe and look for their Reading Nook tea. It is so good. My other suggestion is music that was composed specifically to go with reading. It's an album called Storybook Soundscapes, and it's by Joel Clarkson. Um, I recommended his Midwinter Carols albums in my um, previous Christmas episodes, and I mentioned his brother and his mom when talking about the book Different. So like I told you, I'm a big fan of the whole family. You're going to hear their names. But this particular album, Joel composed to go with stories, and I just love that. And it is great to listen Um, put in some earbuds, pick up a good book, grab your cup of tea, and just get lost in a story. It it all goes together so well. Um, My last thing I want to talk about is the book I am currently reading. Although, remember when I told you I don't do a lot of audiobooks? Not long after I recorded that, I ended up downloading an audiobook of Little Women. Little Women is a book My mother loves it. It may be her favorite book of all time. I don't actually know for sure. I should find that out. Um, But she loves this book. And I've never successfully finished it. Sorry, Mom. Um, But I always get to certain parts, like no spoilers here, but I always get to like certain triggering parts and I'm just done. I'm just done. And I've never finished it. So I thought... I'll try an audiobook. You know, other people say it's great. Just recommended it on the podcast. Let's let's try it. So I am up to chapter nine, I think. I don't I don't necessarily love the lady's voice, but I'm gonna stick with it because I think it's a great way for me to take in this classic book that I've always wanted 
to read, but never seemed to be able to make myself finish it. So that's currently what I'm reading. And my personal reading challenge that I'm thinking about for this year, although I don't necessarily know that I love reading challenges, I think they have good things and bad things. But what I'm going to try to do this year is instead of reading as many books as I can, I want to really savor the ones that I'm reading. So I'm going to focus on reading big books this year. Books like Lame Is. I've read it once. I'd like to reread it. I probably will skim some of it again, just to be honest. Let's be real here. No one has time to read like 100 pages about sewers. But it's totally worth reading. So I want to read it again. I have this mammoth biography on Queen Victoria because I loved the show on Masterpiece. Um, Victoria, throw that in as a bonus. Gather the good. Go get on Amazon Prime and stream Victoria. There are three seasons so far. It is beautiful. And so I was reading her biography. Um, I'm maybe halfway through it. I've been working on it for two years. This year I'm going to finish it. So that's my plan, is to read big books. Some of them I've read before, others will be new to me. I think Lord of the Rings is on my list. I've never actually read that. So I'm kind of excited about it. It's going to be very different from last year. Um, I won't be able to say, probably, that I've read 60 books, but I will still have read lots and lots of pages and spent some great time soaking in beautiful stories and meaningful ideas and expanding my mind. And that, I think, is a wonderful thing. So that concludes this Gather the Good for today, and it will wrap up our episode. I hope that you are inspired and encouraged to set some reading goals or to just go out and pick up a book or finish a book that's been sitting around and love reading. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you'll join me next time as we continue plotting a course glittering with possibility. Bye-bye.